Hey, everyone. My name is Al Gugliotta, and I want to welcome you to The Unlearning Project. This is my attempt to break down the origins of our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors, our biases, most of which have been imposed upon us by our upbringing. My main goal in this entire podcast is to pivot from a place of self-judgment that we're all too familiar with to a place of self-curiosity. Thanks for joining. Let's dive right in. All right. Welcome to the Unlearning Projects. I'm Al Gugliotta, and I'm here with Virginia Elder, my co-hosts. This is the Unlearning Projects. Right. And today's topic we're talking about is curiosity. Mm-hmm. It came from the idea of being the opposite of judgments, and in this case, maybe self-judgments. As I was telling you, Virginia, yeah. every time I have a therapy call, now it's Zoom, of course, right? And I do it like every two weeks. Yeah. it's yeah. Therapy is just like a venting session. <laughs> I honestly don't know if it's helping me. I believe that it is. Right. A lot of times I just feel like it's just like a dumping, venting session of like, this freaking bothered me and this bothered me and this is getting on my nerves. And, this, and it's like dumping all that out. And then having somebody like mirror that or just give me some questions. But the one thing he says consistently, every single, I mean, this is going on years. <laughs> he tells me to be curious about my feelings. Right. right. Like I'm feeling like this. I'm feeling frustrated. I don't know what to do. Oh, you're feeling frustrated? Well, let's be curious about that frustration. And I'm like boiling. I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, give me a freaking answer. I get no I answer. I want to be curious. I want answers. Yeah, curious. And I get it. Like, I get what he's saying, but it's so frustrating because right. it's exactly what you don't want. You don't want to sit with it and, oh, I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling like whatever, one Ask of a million why different things. Why do you feel that way? And where this is coming yeah. from? And be curious about it. Okay. Yeah. What's the origin of that? You know, be curious and, you know. You know, are you going to die from that feeling? No, you just, you you just be curious about it. Right. It's it's literally the polar opposite of a self-judgment or just judgment in general. And we Mm. thought this was very fitting just because, you know, all this polarization we see with everything, with the left and the right, and like, nobody's listening to each other. Nope. And nobody's being curious. No. Right. Well, and you were saying like, I don't even know if therapy's helping, but... (laughs) If nothing else, (laughs) it allows you to have that venting session. It does. Without you venting on your spouse or a friend or or someone else that's like in your actual loving circle or family. Yeah. At least it's outside person that you can vent to that's not taking it anywhere. True. It does offer you some feedback. So if nothing else, at least it'll help that much. I think what happens to like the reason I say that sometimes, like I don't know if it's helping, is like a lot of times after therapy, I feel worse than mm. when I started. Well, because you just verbalized it all. You did. Now it's like out there. Now it's like it's not in your head anymore. And I've blown it out. And now like I feel like an open wound. Yeah. Telling somebody like all my shit. Right. And I'm thinking they're judging me. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's listening to me again. Talk about the same damn thing. What does he think of me? You know, like I'm thinking about this with the therapist. Right. Well, and then that there's power in words. If you haven't verbalized it at all before 
And then suddenly you're saying something. And as a thought, it was really negative and really ugly. Mm -hmm. But then it came out in words, actually. And so you're thinking, oh my gosh, I sound like a horrible person. Yes. So that could be why you feel terrible, but... It is just good to get it out. It is. I'm sure it is helping out. You're reliving the experience as you're talking about it. And then you're getting like the emotions that go along with it. And like. Like worked up. You do. Yeah. Your blood pressure kind of like you just start getting amped up. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's part of the reason like I don't feel great after these sessions. But I think in the long run, it's a good thing. It's just the immediate. It's not one of these things where you just get on it and you're like, oh, an hour later, I feel so much better. This is great. And. Can't wait until next week to. I was going to ask you, do you ever feel exhausted after your? Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. It's emotionally draining. Yes. You know, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, because all the stuff you're carrying, that's exhausting too. And you would automatically think dumping it out, like verbalizing it all, would just be releasing or like, you know, kind of throwing down a burden. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. It's it's not that linear. It's not that fast. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work like this happens and then that happens. And no, it's like a messy situation. Like you're just throwing it all out and you kind of feel bad about it. But then like you get some insights, mm-hmm. maybe like a day later or a few hours later when you think about it. And I guess when you have a good therapist, like my guy, Matt, he'll throw out like that whole curiosity thing. Yeah. But he puts it in different ways where it's not just like, oh, just be curious about everything. It's yeah. Just, How do you feel about that, Al? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel? Yeah. Is that a, do you think he could sit with that? So what does that feeling feel like? You know, like when you have an anxiety, I'm like, well, it's like this burning sensation in my chest and my breath gets shorter. Okay. All right. So that's not deadly or anything. That's something you can sit with. And right. So it just goes that that same path. And it's funny. It's like that whole idea of we've had a podcast before called letting go. Yeah. Same idea. It's like everything is just a letting go process, right? All this stuff comes in, you get amped up, you let it go. Right. So part of with the curiosity thing is letting it go. One of the cool quotes I had about curiosity, curiosity doesn't assume it knows the answer. Mm. It doesn't evaluate if anything's good or bad and has no opinion. It doesn't take one side or the other. It's just open. Mm -hmm. And it's in the moment paying attention. And there was a cool quote by Walt Whitman. Be curious, not judgmental, Mm. you know? And I mean, it's such like simple, you know, wise advice. Yeah. And it is so challenging to approach anything, whether it's a conversation or a situation or whatever, without a preconceived expectation of how it should go Mm -hmm. and just approach it with absolute curiosity. I mean, I'd argue that that's extremely difficult to do. Yeah. And I know a lot of stuff I revert to my kids, but it's just when I'm seeing them go through something, it's so obvious to me what's going on. So my son, he has this just, unfortunately, just very negative perspective of himself. Mm. Like everything that he does or says, you know, say if he comes in here and makes a remark and I don't hear him and I say, what'd you say? He immediately translates that as I shouldn't have said something. I said something wrong. I said something bad. Hmm. And I'm literally just asking, like, can you repeat yourself? Cause I didn't hear you. Yeah. And so we've had to do a lot of work through that. Yeah. And then of course I've been self-evaluating like what did we do that made him like that? Yeah. <laughs> or like, have we 
accidentally put something on him or had conversations in a way that makes him feel less than or, you know, so I've been doing a lot of evaluation there. But yeah, he just has this natural, like negative judgmental perspective on himself. Like even in soccer, something goes wrong in a play. He thinks that it's his fault. And I've tried Mm. to explain to him and, you know, we've even looked up sports therapy as far as coaching the child into like a growth mindset and a curiosity mindset. Yeah. And it's just been a very interesting journey. So yeah, that's the new buzzword for the kids is growth mindset. They say that a lot at school. Yeah. My daughter came home with a, and she's in kindergarten, mind you, but with a coloring sheet where they would color you know, the growth mindset phrases a certain color. It's yes. that's hilarious that you said that. Yeah, I think it's like universal. Yeah, yeah. But I was reading through, you know, you'd color this thing red and this thing blue. And the growth mindset phrases were like, I can solve anything if I just work hard mm. or if I just try. And then some of the opposite phrases were like, you're either born smart or you're born dumb. Oh, yeah. And so it was very obvious which ones you should color, which color. But of course, it was for kindergartners. Sure. It was a good concept, you know? Like, I appreciate that they're starting to talk about that and use language so that kids don't think like, oh, well, she's smart, but I'm not. Right. And I can't change that. Because you can. You yes. You might have to work on it. <laughs> That's interesting you just mentioned that. Because there's like these two things, and I think it's in psychology kind of like vernacular, Hmm. above the line thinking and below the line thinking. And so I think it's very close to growth mindset. So like above the line thinking would be more of the growth mindset. You're open, you're curious, you're committed to learning. Mm -hmm. And then below the line is you're closed, you're defensive, you're committed to being right. Mm. So those are like so polar opposite. Like everybody's so committed to being right. Right. You ever realize that? Like every time I don't feel good about a conversation, it's because either I'm trying to be right or the other person's trying to be right. Right. You know, there's no curiosity. Proving a point, arguing kind of. Yeah. I never feel good in those conversations. And again, it's not only the other person. Sometimes it's me doing it. I try to catch myself that I'm not digging my heels in. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like I'm politically intelligent enough to like have these conversations about politics and that's where it's been going lately. So yeah, this year has made me feel very dumb as far as. Yeah. There's levels to this. (laughs) I'm at the kindergarten level when it comes to (laughs) politics. I can kind of just, I know some of the terms and. Yes. What we enjoy in the evenings is we'll sit down and watch a show together, but we don't have like your standard cable. So we'll search on Amazon prime or YouTube or something, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to find something to watch. But we find ourselves actually watching very educational programs. There's one guy, and I can't remember the name of his channel, but he does like cartoon renditions of different historic events. So it'll be like the history of Scotland or (laughs) something like that. And it's little cartoon characters and he's doing like a voiceover on the, it's very entertaining and educational. And we've found ourselves watching that. That's cool. Often. Yeah. Because he'll do some political landscape type of educational Mm. pieces as well. So. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Not having that mindset of like, if you're so closed off, Mm -hmm. I've had this conversation with friends where, 
they just have their views. It's and they're not gonna like alter them regardless of what you say. Right. You know, or regardless of what anybody says. They right. know what they know, they believe what they believe. And I think it's interesting when somebody that's super intelligent does that. Because mm-hmm. you're like, man. And then sometimes you'll see these super intelligent people have that epiphany of like, I wasn't looking at it that way. Right. I totally right. was blindsided on that. Like I didn't see the other perspective. I didn't entertain the idea that it could be anything different than what I'm thinking. So I talk about Sam Harris a lot. Yeah. He had like this eight minute podcast that he did about Trump. And it was his realization of why half of America is behind Trump. Right. And he's like, I'd never seen this before. Like literally, I, it was one of those like charts that when you're looking at the eye of the chart and then all of a sudden like the woman comes out. I might have mentioned this last week. I hope I'm not repeating myself. (laughs) (laughs) I know you told me, but I'm not sure if it was on air. (laughs) Okay. But he has this epiphany that like the reason why people like Trump is that he's so bad. Like he's such a terrible person, like sinful and just disgusting and, you know, despicable and all that. He doesn't make anybody feel bad about themselves. Yeah. He makes everybody else feel better about their dark places. Right. And they're like, look how so bad dark. he is. All right. I could trust. At least he's letting all of his shit out. He's like openly bad. Like he's not <laughs> even trying to be good. Right. right. He's just blatantly lying. He's just, you'd never believe a yeah. guy like that would ever be anything, mm-hmm. let alone president of the United States. But then Sam Harris goes on to say, he's like, but the left, like the Democratic Party, the left, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. here's my complete ignorance of like, Political terms, the left, the whatever, that side of the... Well, prior to this year, I'll tell you, like, I was like, which one's right and which one's... What's happening? (laughs) I was just like, I know what I believe and what I would vote for, but I didn't know which was... So I've learned so much this year. This is crazy. So he goes on to say that the left is talking about the right as basically pigeonholes that they're categorized as being white male, homophobic you know, Islamophobic, racist, like all of these bad things that like basically all white men are just terrible people that are sinful. They're basically Mm -hmm. taking the side of total judgments, right? Mm -hmm. Judging me, like for instance. Yes, gotcha. So there's people that love Trump and they love him because they don't feel judged by him. Right. And they hate the left because they feel completely judged because they've already been pigeonholed into you're white, you're entitled, you're a homophobic, you're Islamophobic, you're mm-hmm. you're against all of these like woke kind of issues and mm-hmm. you're just not mm-hmm. there. You're just a terrible person and he just goes down that whole path. He does it so much more articulate than I do. Right. So everybody go listen to that episode. <laughs> Totally. But he has this epiphany where he's like, I didn't get it up until now. That's the reason. That's the half Mm. the people like him because they don't feel judged by him. And the whole left has been put in this place where it just looks like their storyline is like they're judgmental of everybody. Mm. You know, they're like basically holier than thou. Mm. And it's like this whole judgment call of like. Interesting. Yeah. There's no curiosity behind it. Right. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, because I've definitely felt like the left or, you know, the Democratic Party. And, of course, the parties used to be more, a little bit more centered than what I feel right now. I feel like we're both very, like, extreme opposite. I feel like there was a 
time in history where everybody was a little more towards the center and it's just mm-hmm. gone totally crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I've definitely felt like the left is more open and more curious, you know, and, and considerate of all colors and religions and all different types and shapes and, you know, just more inclusive in general. Right. But I think their judgment of the right is what's coming out as, huh. you know what I mean? So I hear what you're saying. I think the same thing. Yeah. Cause I'm feeling like if you're in that camp and you're accepting of all those things, then that is a certain level of curiosity because you're, you're not judging someone for being a certain color. Yeah, in some weird effed up way, people are feeling not judged by a guy like Trump, right? Mm. And they're feeling very judged by the left. And the left is like, they pride themselves on not judging people, right? That's their whole thing. It's like they're open. They're open to things, you know, gay marriage and just like everything progressing, like socially and politically. But for whatever reason, they've gone down this path where it almost seems like the storyline is like they're the most judgmental. Interesting. Like they're holier than now. They're putting themselves on a pedestal. We know morals better than anybody else. You have to measure up. If you don't believe all the things that we believe in, then you don't measure up. I'm like, whoa, that's a crit. They don't want to come off like that, but that's the way they're coming off. Interesting. That's kind of what Sam Harris brought to light. Because anybody that has any kind of sense of like ethical, any kind of moral compass Mm-hmm. Would never vote for a guy like Trump. Nobody right. would. So what, every what's causing mom this? that I know is like Trump exhibits every quality that I try to not instill in my child. Yeah. <laughs> like the opposite. And it's the religious, the Christian kind of right is in complete support of him. Mm-hmm. And that's just bizarre to me. Right. Like, he's like he's like the anti-Jesus. Right. Like, if you're a follower of the church and you believe, you know, thou shalt not lie, like all of this, but then you're supporting this dude. How does that make any, like, could it be any more blatantly, like, opposite of what it should be? It's just. It's insane. It's insane. That's what is baffling me about the entire situation, but. Yeah. (laughs) I shouldn't be talking about politics. I'm too stupid to talk about politics. (laughs) Well, at least you're curious. <laughs> I like that curiosity doesn't have an opinion, right? Or curiosity mm-hmm. doesn't assume it knows the answer. Right. You know, as soon as you start assuming you know the answer, it's like it's a problem in conversation. It's a problem in even like when it comes to self-judgment. So when you know the answer, like your son knows the answer, I'm a shitty soccer player or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever is coming up in his mind. Right. Is that true? No, that's not true. Maybe you're not playing well today. Right. Or maybe your skill level isn't up to par with the other players right now, but that's not a permanent situation. Right. This is the problem with these kinds of, like you were saying, growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Problem with it is that you're categorizing, you're almost putting an identity on something that's not permanence, something that you could actually adjust. I read a couple of things that said, just because you cheated on your diet doesn't make you a cheater. Right. Or just because you failed at a goal doesn't make you a failure. And if you're struggling with like willpower last week, doesn't mean you don't have any willpower. Mm-hmm. All these like little subtle things that you kind of tell yourself, mm-hmm. you judge yourself, you say, you're not doing this. So this, this, and this, I am this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. That's a good place to be curious. Right. Well, and then allowing yourself to have 
seasons or phases or moods or whatever oh, you want to label it as like yes. just allowing that today oh. I might have tons of energy and be magnetic to people but like tomorrow I'm going to wear sweats all day and not talk to anybody mm-hmm. you know and allow that and be okay with that and maybe today you're feeling really curious and tomorrow you're just Oh my god! I don't talk to anybody. <laughs> I think you're, you're right. I I do that. Like yeah. I, sometimes, like I go outside to get the mail, and I'm looking around to see if any neighbors are around. Yeah, so I can beeline yeah. for my mailbox and get back without talking to anybody. <laughs> yes. I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to. Inter- I'm like, I just don't. Some days yes. I just don't. Exactly. But I judge myself over that. I'm like, why are you being antisocial? Like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> like, you're already like trapped in your house all day alone anyway. Why would you not want to talk to other people? Right. Yeah. So that's like the whole judgment spiral that starts happening. Well, and then to think that like no one else ever has a day where they just stay in their sweats all day and don't get out. I mean, that's not true. Everybody has a day like that. Well, that's interesting you say that because we all, we do that often, right? So we look at other people's lives and we think what they look like on the outside is how they feel on the inside or, you know, we just make them out to be happier than they are or that right not that they're better than us but that they're living a an easier life than us or they're just mm-hmm. having more together than us or mm-hmm. that's such an automatic thing i see it all the time with friends of mine that like oh so and so's oh he's got a great oh look at the car they drive and they're always smiling they seem so happy together look at that couple mm-hmm. i'm always the you know <laughs> i'm like the pessimist or i'm like nah <laughs> I think I feel like, like you said, everybody has their seasons. Right. It's not summer for everybody all year round. Right. And I think you have to lean into that. I mean, right now, especially like it's fall, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot easier to like stay in your sweats and have a hot cup of cocoa and like do nothing. Yeah. And like, that's okay. I mean, you have to be yeah. like ultra productive every dang day. Yeah. I mean, if you're ultra productive yesterday, like give yourself a day off. Like it's all right. What happens when you're not productive at all? (laughs) (laughs) When you're not productive for many weeks on end, that Uh, that might be a problem. And then again, it's like judging what is productive. What is productive? That's the other thing. Because like if your Mm -hmm. definitions are off, Mm -hmm. just be setting yourself up for complete failure. Mm -hmm. Like what is my definition of productive or having a good day? I don't know what that is. Like sometimes like I don't remind myself that Hey, you exercised, you ate well, you sat down, you watched a couple of shows with your daughter and had some laughs and like all the little cool things that happen. And then at the end of the day, sometimes I'll still feel like, God, I got nothing done today. Right. But it's all about the criteria, right? So judging it the wrong way. Yeah. Are you talking work tasks or are you talking that you really made a connection with someone that you love? Exactly. That's still productive. It may not be on a checklist, but it's productive and healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always looking at the things you haven't done, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if I make 10 phone calls, I could have made 15. Right. Or if I connected with my kid, well, I could have connected on a deeper level or we could have been doing something active as opposed to watching TV together. So, these are all the judgments that come in. Yes. And I think it's just kind of that stepping back and being curious, right? Being like, why am I? All right. This is the way your brain's doing this. Right. It's laying out this criteria that's unattainable so that no matter what you're doing, you're going to feel like disappointed at the end of the day Mm because you haven't checked off. You don't even know what you need to check off. It's an Mm -hmm. invisible thing. You haven't defined anything. And tell me if you experience this or if you know what I'm saying, because 
when I worked corporate, I felt like I could never get enough done. Mm. There were always too many meetings to where what I felt like I should be able to accomplish during the day could never get done. Yep. And even if I was super organized and efficient, then whatever was going on on my checklist, I could never get it. So I was always stressed. Yeah. And then, not that I thought being an entrepreneur would not be stressful because clearly that's not true because it's all on your shoulders and up to you. Yeah. But I found like almost the exact same scenario where nonetheless, I still create a list for myself that is way too long. Mm -hmm. And I just think and hope that I can get all these things done in a day. And so at the end of each day, and I've had to work through this, but at the end of each day, I'm constantly moving like half of my checklist items over to the the next next day day. Mm -hmm. and just keep on moving it until (laughs) I get it done. Yeah. And I've had, I've had friends ask me, well, how do you do that? And not like feel bad about not getting through your checklist or for me, I've noticed that that's just how I am. Like I I have to write lists because Mm. otherwise I feel like I won't remember things. Mm. And then maybe I don't get that whole list done. Yeah. And I just have to accept that I'm okay with that. And then the curiosity piece has been like, does that really take me an hour? Mm. Does that actually take me two hours? Yeah. So I've had to kind of look at different time trackers and things and start to lean into that curiosity of, How long does this really take me? And am I planning my day correctly? And how many actual work hours are really in the day to where I can plan out? I'm just a big planner person and all that. So I just lean into that. But yes, I've had to very much so attempt to approach it from a curiosity level instead of a judgment you can never get enough done level. I think that's that's a cool approach that you're doing it like that bottom-up kind of realizing that you only have a certain attention span and only for certain blocks of time. You're not going to have perfect attention for two hours straight. It's just not. It's going to go off onto something else. Your mind is, it's very hard to have sharp attention for an extended Mm -hmm. period of time. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we're not taking into account like the fires that you have to put out every day. So say you get a flat tire, like one, one flat tire, the whole day is gone. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not that everybody gets flat tires all the time, but like... Right, I'm not going anywhere, Al. (laughs) Yeah, the quote-unquote flat tire could be like anything. Your kid gets sick, you get sick. I don't know, like your your toilet leaks or your refrigerator gets... Something's always like breaking, you know? Like something needs to be attended to. But you got all kinds of appointments, right? For kids Mm -hmm. and for you, dentists, doctors, this, that. Mm -hmm. Those aren't ever factored in. So like your perfect day... Is like ruling out everything else in life, right? Right. Like if I had these eight hours just for work. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're just setting yourself up for disappointment, right? Because now you're not factoring that in. You're not factoring in how your mind works, that you can't sit there for eight hours Mm -hmm. in complete concentration and get things done. It doesn't work. Like your mind needs time to wander. Right. Daydream or go for a walk or get off of something that's, you know, you're, trying to focus so hard on. Yeah. Well, and I've noticed like, I can't just write all day. Like if I'm writing blog posts or descriptions or whatever, I can't write all you day. You got to walk away from it, right? Yeah. And come back and I to can't, it. And I can't edit audio all day either. My ears will be burning. Mm-hmm. I need like a shift of a couple hours to do social media, a couple hours to do this thing, a couple hours to do audio. Like I've right. got to mix it up. 
And, and I guess maybe that's a piece of keep, maybe keeping curiosity in your brain. Like it doesn't know what's coming next or something. (laughs) Well, avoiding burnout too. Yeah. Yeah. But did you have that with corporate or how did, how do you. I had such an easier time at corporate. Like (laughs) my time, it was easier for me because I show up. I knew it was like, kind of like going to the gym. I always go back to like physical fitness, right? That's okay. Going to the gym. Once you're at the gym, you're going to work out, right? You're not just going to walk around the gym and not do anything. Mm-hmm. But then try working out from home. Not as easy because like, I mean, there's too many distractions. Right. So the same holds true for work. Like when I used to go to work, I used to take a shower, put on, not even a suit, but just like a button down shirt and pants and you know, like you'd be presentable. Then I'd be in the office. Like, well, I'm in the office. I might as well work. Yeah. You're in work mode. Yeah. And at home, it becomes a whole different thing. Unless you have a very structured discipline, which seems you do, you know, making lists, you have to have lists. (laughs) I'm a little bit of a nut. (laughs) I've gotten to the point where I try to like dumb everything down to very simple things. Mm. So for me, it's like make three proactive phone calls today. That's it. If you do that, then you're good to go. Normally when I do three, I'll normal, I'll get five in, right. you know, but at least get three, you know, because that's really good. Very small calls, definitely. <laughs> or like type notes in the system after each call or like just very simple stuff. So I used yeah. to do like, listen, I'm going to do all of my client reviews over this month. So I got a hundred client reviews to do. It would never get done. It was right. overwhelming. I didn't want to do it. But I'm like, I can do three phone calls. Mm-hmm. I got a whole day to do three phone calls. Yeah. So, and if you sit down to do those calls, you're probably going to do a few other things. You are. Write outlines for your podcast. And <laughs> yeah, but I did. But showing up to an office was easier for me. And I thought when I was in the office, I'm like, I'm the most disciplined guy. Like, I can totally work from home. I've been doing it eight years from home. So I'm doing yeah. it. But so this, it hasn't gotten easier. It's like huh. part of me envies the people that get to go into an office because they also get separation from their home and from work. Mm. So when I left work, when I worked at a corporation, mm-hmm. it was over. Like once I was done, I was done. I came home and like here, it's like, it's always kind of around. I got my phone's mm. ringing, you know, my laptop. It's just so available. And now everything's on your smartphone. Yeah. Like work email is on smartphone. I'm like, you know, I got clients texting me. I got clients, you know, calling. It's just so many forms of communication. Right. So it's hard to get away from. So the judgment for me is that consistent judgment is like, you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. It's always been that. So if I don't put these little goals in, like do three and just know, like after you've done three, like your day is complete. You can do more, but at least get three done. Right. These are all like these unlearning things. Like I've learned it from a kid. And then especially being in sales early on, it's always about like, you got to work hard. You got to work hard. You got to yeah. make a hundred phone calls to get one sale. Yeah, you got to do this. Quota. Yeah. Yeah. You got to like hammer and hammer and just like push through rejection and push through being uncomfortable. And you got to do it day in and day out. And it's daunting. It's daunting for a lot of people. People don't mm-hmm. last in a sales environment because of that. So like unlearning the idea that you don't have to do all of this stuff. You don't have to do eight hours of freaking work every single day and things are going to happen and, you know, life's going to happen. And a lot of times when you walk away from it, for whatever reason, I seem like I get more done when I do less work in some weird story. Like, so if I'm (laughs) like, if I'm just sitting at my desk and telling myself I'm working, 
I'm still distracted and I'm still, yeah. I work better if I sit down for an hour or two, get up, go do something, sit down for an hour or two, get up, go do something. Can't be eight hours sitting here. Mm, that's good. I've just have always been like a productivity. I guess I'm just interested in. I can see that. I want to say hacks or something, but that's not even right. But I'm just. Efficiency. Yeah. I've always been a list maker just naturally. And then being home and being an entrepreneur, I need to plan out the week. And for me, going to work felt like a waste of time because the this yeah. is like the the mean like introvert in me coming out because I was just like, I don't want to talk to any of those people. I don't have meetings with those people. I don't mm. want to like see them in the elevator and have to make small talk. I just want to yeah. like, if I could just not waste my time during the commute and not waste like the water cooler talk time right. and all that crap. And if just I could hours just- hours of your day yeah, back. Yeah, I could have like three extra hours of my day and I could get so much done and blah, blah. So yes. I always was like, gosh, if I could just do this job from home and that just was never an opportunity for me. And then now I'm doing my own thing from home. And so now, yeah, I don't have a commute. And so I don't feel like I'm wasting that time. Mm-hmm. But there's that never-ending to-do list kind of feeling. And so yeah, for me to not judge myself on that and lean into like the curiosity side, which for me, I'm thinking, okay, well discover how long all these different tasks actually take you. And if it's realistic to put all those things on your planner in one day, right? like you said, if something blows up with kids school or, you know, I definitely Mm -hmm. was feeling a little bit stressed when they were home during (laughs) the homeschool situation. Oh my God. That kind of goes back to that parental guilt thing that we talked about, you know, that starts welling up in you. It's too much. It's just sometimes it just becomes too much. The curiosity piece, mm-hmm. I think, works really well when you just start to be aware of what's this feeling's coming up. I've been working for two hours. I feel like my kids have been sitting in their room. I don't know what the heck they're doing. Right. All right. I've had this feeling before. It's not new. Right. So just knowing that, like, it's not new, I realize that, or that if I don't make those three phone calls, those proactive phone calls today, I'm not going to feel good about the day. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. I'm just not going to feel productive. I know that. I'm out ahead of it. Right. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen every freaking day, like where you have to like renew your curiosity. <laughs> yes. I guess curiosity might even not be the right word. It's more of like an awareness of what's happened previously. Like I've been down this road before. I've been doing this for eight years. Right. I felt this parent guilt the whole time my kids have been home yeah. from this pandemic. I feel it every day. So if I know that, okay, this is just a natural, okay, I got it. All right, so get up, go do something. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we start beating ourselves up over feeling, I, at least I do, I got to speak for myself here. Like I just, you just beat yourself up for like, why the hell are you feeling like shit again? Why right. are you getting worked up over this? Right, why are you You've worried been through about this? this? Or why are you judging yourself on this? Yeah. Right, you've done this before. You've been down this road Every before. day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not new. If it was the first time, I get it, right? Right. It's not the first time. It just keeps happening. So it's catching yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of like kind of self-care kind of stuff, like where you're just yeah. eating, having water. And reflecting on the mental piece of, did you have expectations yeah. and those expectations weren't met? And so then you're judging yourself. And mm-hmm. like you said, three phone calls. 
I mean, that's a nice, what I want to say, like low bar. Seems like an easy day, right? It seems attainable. So I would think you could handle that. But then I'm sure there's still days where you don't get your three phone calls and you're like, well, that sucks. It's true. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's not written in stone, but like once I start adhering to just small things and get those done, I just do feel better about the day mm-hmm. because otherwise like your day could just get away from you. Right. Oh like, yeah. Have certain guidelines. Oh yeah. I was listening to the Matthew McConaughey book oh. called green lights. Okay. And he was talking about the idea of how responsibility is actually freedom and then freedom is a responsibility. So basically the idea that huh. we think that freedom is the absolute absence of boundaries and like responsibilities and like, yeah, like, no. that you can just do whatever you want, whenever you want with no restrictions and you don't have to be anywhere at any time. And basically he's saying that no responsibility is like those structured things that you're giving yourself are giving you freedom. Mm-hmm. If you just have this open canvas with nothing to do, that's mm-hmm. not freedom. Okay. You're just going to get lost in the abyss. True. You, know, you need sort of guidelines and sort of a structured kind of day to give you some sort of freedom. Yeah. I was like, that's an interesting play on, again, unlearning what I always thought freedom was. Yeah. Was the ability to like wake up whenever I want. (sighs) And then I don't have to think about work or making money or nothing. Right. Get up and I eat and I just go for a walk outside. Just do whatever I want whenever I want to do it. Right. And then I think of the reality of it. I'm like, I don't remember even ever having a day like that. Right. Well, maybe maybe on like vacation, I guess. And maybe one day like that sounds amazing. But if that was my whole life and I literally had nothing to do and nowhere to be and no obligations. And I mean, I really would be so lost. Yeah. Like think about like your kids are gone. Right. In college or whatever, you're home, you don't have to work, your house is paid off, you have money to yeah, do stuff. You got nothing. Like you just yeah, do like you, nothing. Right. That's why people do crazy. volunteer work, right? That's why people like yeah. go work at the animal shelter. It's like they want some sort of purpose, right? You got to do something. Yes. And so I started to realize that I always thought I wanted to remove all of these guidelines. Mm-hmm. I think the idea is more you want to be able to choose those guidelines, but you have to have guidelines. Like you have to have mm-hmm. some sort of he calls them like responsibilities. Maybe that is the freedom is to be able to choose those guidelines for yourself. Not to remove them altogether. And not to have someone else put the guidelines on you. Like, oh, you have to be at work at 8 a.m. You know, but for you to choose, hey, you know, around 10 every other day, I'm going to log online and write something, you know, and for that to be your choice. Yeah. But I also think that it has to be something that you're obligated to do. Mm. Like once you make the decision to do it, like you can't just because you don't feel like it, not do it. Right. Like you still need to like, so for instance, if you got a job that you really liked, it's not that you're not committing to anything. Like freedom isn't the idea of like, you're never going to commit to anything. It's the idea that you're committing to it, but you're committing to the things that you want to commit to. Right. But, and there's going to be days that you don't want to go and there's going to be days that you don't want to do it, but you're going to do it anyway because it's meaningful to you. And that's, what's giving you this freedom. Yeah, it's more of a self-imposed structure right? of things that you appreciate or enjoy or are passionate about Yeah, and not something that someone told you, like, where are your reports? I need your reports yeah. by Friday. <laughs> your TPS reports, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just stopped myself and then I just said reports. That's funny. <laughs> Didn't you get the memo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Oh, man. So how do we approach 
more of life with more curiosity instead of the judgment and expectation and... I've heard it put a good way by a guy named Wayne Dyer Uh in one of his books. He was talking about when people come up to him with like their ideas, like we think you should do this and I think you should do that. And people have like kind of hard sort of requests. And he's like, you know what? He's like, I never considered that. I'll, you know, I'm definitely going to think about that. Mm -hmm. Like that was his like kind of canned answer to anybody that was like demanding toward him. Mm. Like, just be open to it. Just be like, you know what? I never considered that. Let me, let me think about that. Rather than being like, no, no, I'm not fucking doing that. You know, like instead of, yeah, that's not in my business plan this year. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it's the idea of just think about it. It's like, be open to it. Right. And if you feel yourself tightening up about issues that you feel other people need to believe too, Uh I mean, there's your telltale sign that you need to like loosen up and get curious about what they're talking about. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. That's the thing. It's, It's not a matter of like, you're always changing your point of view. The idea is that you want to see it from somebody else's perspective get the other side, like defend your opponent. Mm -hmm. Try to find out if you had to defend them in their argument, what would you say? So when you think about, again, not to get into the Trump thing, but like I can defend either side. I can see why people like him. I can see why people don't like him. Mm. But when you're the person that only sees why people don't like him, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it goes into so many things though. Like, you know, your job, why don't I like my job? Mm. Well, I don't like it for these things. Well, how about the guy that likes that job? Why does he like it? Right. Doesn't mean you're going to like it too. It's just getting a new perspective on the opposite side of the arguments. Well, and I do think that a lot of, for me, the struggle with corporate and the pressure that I felt was like an internally imposed pressure. Mm -hmm. And when I would look around at things, I was just like, I don't think other people feel that. I don't think other people take it the same way. Like I was expecting for myself to be able to be there as often as everybody else, even though I was the only one with kids Mm -hmm. and get all this stuff done, even though of course, inevitably throughout the day, there was all these other things that would come up and it just seemed like other people were able to like, let that roll off so much easier And I just couldn't. And it was definitely this crazy level of self-expectation that I had. And I just could not handle that pressure. I don't know. I mean, I did for a really long time and I was good at it. But then home in a completely different environment, right? Because then now the only person putting pressure on me is me. Mm -hmm. I still have days where I notice that feeling kind of coming back. And I have to step back and be like, who's the boss here? (laughs) Like you're clearly putting too much pressure on yourself. Yeah. You know, look at your calendar, check your list, move some things because you're, you're stressing out and it's not healthy. What I'm curious about though, what you, from what you just said, (laughs) this is where the curiosity thing comes in. Yeah. I'm curious. Why do you, why did you automatically think that other people, it rolled off them easier or that Mm -hmm. they can handle it better than you can? Because that's such a, everybody thinks that. Yeah. When not when it comes just to work, but just everything. Just like that person's happier than me. That person's more well-adjusted. Right. They're socially more apt than me. Look, they're talking to everybody all the time. Why am I not talking to Right, right. It's like this constant, like, they're not better than me, but they're just doing all of these things. And they seem like very nonchalant about it. It doesn't affect them. Yeah, it really did. To me, it really seemed like they could show up to work 
it didn't matter if they were five minutes late or not. Like they didn't care and nobody else cared. But like, if I was five had, minutes late, like it bothered me and I was freaking out. But this out. is the thing. Yeah. But what is care? What is caring? Look I don't like? know. Like, what, like what, what, what are you seeing in them yes. that creates like the whole idea that, Oh, look at them. It just slid right off them. Yeah. Maybe inside they were like, fuck, you know, yeah. like they're just putting on their game face. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening as we get older. I think you start to realize that more and more. Yeah. That game face, that poker face, that mm-hmm. social mask that people wear. Mm-hmm. That they were just as stressed, but I just couldn't see it for some reason. If not more, right? Yeah. Every time I start going down that path again, where I'm like, why are they? Ah, uh, then I'm like, no, they don't have it. So all right, maybe there's some people that are going to be mm-hmm. more confident in certain arenas than me. There's going to be some people that are less confident. Mm-hmm. There's no way I'm going to be able to judge a whole person based on what I'm seeing yeah. in a work environment. You know, like, oh, how do they let everything roll up? Why am I not matching up? Right. So once I start thinking those thoughts, I start to catch myself. I'm like, no, nah, that's what you do. Yeah. You know, you just start comparing. Yeah. You're comparing yourself and you're automatically putting yourself down at level. Than everybody else. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. I think as we get older, we're able to see a lot of this a lot more clearly. Because of course, mm-hmm. when I was, you know, 20 something, I didn't see any of that. I just thought like, oh, they could clearly handle it better than I can. Like, I don't know what to yeah. say. <laughs> and now I'm like, no, I, we're basically telling ourselves the lie that other people can handle things better than we can. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, but it, again, we talked about this before. When we talked about like the person's kids, they're on Instagram. They're like, oh my God, they love each other so much. And the kids are like in this embrace and like, oh, they're the best kids ever. The biggest dream we've ever had. And oh, our right. life is so amazing. I've been with this amazing man for 20 years and the light of my life. And then like you see them in like, He's screaming at the kids, and the kid freaking like <laughs> yelling at it, you know, through a rock at somebody. And like, you're like, wait a second, that doesn't match yeah. up to the Instagram. These aren't the same people I saw on Instagram. <laughs> right. But that's, but that's funny. It's like, it's just like a different microcosm of like what's really happening even in public or, mm-hmm. you know, or what we're witnessing. It's just our perception. Mm-hmm. They're creating this perception online. Right. But the reality is something so right. much different. We're creating a perception in our head about them. Right. But what's in reality is something completely different. And maybe that was real to them in that moment when the kids were being sweet. Right. And maybe that's just not everyday constant reality, <laughs> you know, because I feel like that's part of the like phases and seasons and moods and stuff that we all fluctuate through also. The kids have really great days and the kids have really bad days, just like we do. And yeah, I remember when my son was a newborn, he was really fussy. And my husband was just like, what's wrong with him? Is everything okay? And I was holding him and stuff. And I was like, he's just having a bad day. Okay. Like, just let him have his bad day. <laughs> right. Yeah. And my husband was like, I didn't know babies had bad days or good days. And I was like, well, me neither. But that's what we're doing here. So Yeah. <laughs> And that's such a good point. Like a good day and right. Like I always think like my kids can't have a bad day. It's like, wait, we have bad days Yeah, and we get to drink alcohol. They don't have alcohol to drink. (laughs) They don't have any outlet. Like we think there's something wrong with them if they're throwing a fit or something like that, but they don't have an, an outlet that's allowable. I don't think. Right. Yeah. So we have to give them that grace. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They have good and bad days too. Right. I mean, just to the point of people that scream from the rooftops about how great their lives are. 
<laughs> you know, we've talked about this before too. Like my curiosity goes to wait. You don't shout from the rooftops like things that are obvious. Nobody preaches about the obvious. Like right. they're preaching about something that they want you to believe because maybe it's not true or you know what I mean? So yeah. whenever like somebody is like really preaching about something, I'm like, ooh. Like what's going on behind um, the scenes? And again, this it's not a crime. Right. I mean, what they're doing is not a crime. It's just something that I'm observing. And I realize when I do it, if I do it, I don't I don't really do it on social media though. Like if I post a few pictures, I'll do it just to share. Or, yeah. Or like when you have this whole over the top, like, oh my God, professing your love and how great your kids are and how great everything is and how great your life is and best life ever and all this. Once you're there, there's the judgment. It's like, I'm right. Right. They want me to see a certain picture and I'm just always trying to be like, I guess curious. Yeah, curious. I mean, yeah. starting to realize like, what's really, is that true? Like, is that true? Right. Because if I believe it to be true and I'm watching everybody else do that, then what the fuck kind of life do I have? Right. Now, my life isn't matching up my to that. My life must suck. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same idea as the working, you know, being in the office and everybody else takes everything a lot easier than you take it. Mm-hmm. I think it, it all goes down that same path. Yeah. I just think it's funny. It's very apparent with social media. But when I see that, it's almost like a joke now with Shelby. I'm like, look at this post. Yeah. Living the best life ever. I'm like, oh, God. Like, living the best life ever was the funniest line I think I've ever, you know, because people would actually say that living the best life ever. Like, how are you? How is that okay. the best life ever? Like, out of everybody in the whole world as, yeah. that ever existed, <laughs> how is your life the best? Like, that doesn't make any sense. It's contrary to like what we were just talking about. The, everybody's got seasons in their life. Come on. Yes. And and like you said, all right, fair enough. Maybe like in that moment, they did feel like they were just so yeah. overjoyed Had the and whatever. Best moment. Yeah. But when you have to announce it to the world, you know, or announce it to like just a billion strangers out there like that. There's something just very disconcerting to me about that Mm. because I feel like it makes people feel bad. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. And what's the purpose of that? Well, and do you think that maybe not outwardly and maybe they wouldn't say this, but in a way, sometimes you think by them posting that they're trying to show everyone how much better their life is than yours. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like putting yourself up on a pedestal and showing how perfect and how wonderful everything yeah. is and and making you feel like that's unattainable. And maybe they wouldn't right. say that's that. Not, right. It's not like a conscious kind of like, I'm going to put this out there to make everybody feel bad. Because I guess that's a trait that everyone wants. That everyone wants to be confident and mm-hmm. be living a great life. And like, look how great my kids are. Mm-hmm. Look how great my vacations are. Look how great my spouse mm-hmm. is. Look how great every, I'm just great. Everything's great and awesome. And like, you want to throw that out there and just be like, oh, wow, let's look at so-and-so, you know, it's like they're, it's almost like you're like your own like little celebrity. And there are phases when things seem to be going great and sure, share about it. But then- be fair and share like when things aren't going great. Yeah. So that people can support you. But I think that's the fear is that, well, if I share when something's going awesome, people will say like, congratulations and give me these cute emojis. But when I share something negative, then maybe they will be judging me. It's almost like that same concept of why someone won't reach out for help when they should. 
because they're afraid of the judgment and afraid of admitting that something's not going well. Yeah, in other people's um, eyes, they're going to be a lesser person. They're lesser of a person. They're inferior. Right. Like, oh, that person's really, they don't really have it together. They're struggling. They're weak. Mm-hmm. But then I'm looking at it going, well, but if you post both sides of the coin, when you do need support, then people can be there for you because you've yeah. announced that something's not going well and they can be more understanding. But I think there's just fear around that. Well, that goes, you know, what's hard, what's easy. The easy one is to post all your vacations and how great everybody is and how great everything is and how great your life is to infinity and best life ever. <laughs> and like the hard one is like to say, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is it works in reverse because the people that throw out all of that stuff of how great their lives are, people start moving away from them. This is what I feel. Because mm-hmm. they're too perfect. Yeah, they're too perfect, too, right. I don't want to... It's like you live next door to Barbie or something. Like, you can't live up to that. No, and, and you feel judged being around someone like that. Because if they're living the best life ever, what kind of life do I have? If they've already judged their life to be so amazing, they're going to look at my life and think it's shitty. Right. And so I don't want to be around that. Right. But if I, again, it's the Trump thing. If you're around like somebody that's like struggling and that is not judging you, right? <laughs> and you feel better and, about yourself. You, well, you do, but okay, <laughs> and you also want to help them. You know, like if somebody's like being vulnerable to you, like mm-hmm. the opposite happens. People want to help. Mm-hmm. If a friend reached out and said, Hey, man, I'm really struggling, you know, I'd, yeah, hell yeah, of course I'm going to help you. I want to help you. It makes me feel good to help you. Right. So I had a friend's guy in my band, my guitar player, Don. His wife just passed away. Oh, man. Just last week from cancer. She was been struggling with cancer for oh. two years. Yeah. Ovarian cancer. She passed away on November 11th. She's 56 years old. Mm. Like, awesome lady. Like, you know, and they were like a great couple and everything. And all I want to do is help him. Every bone in my body just wants to help. Yeah. And I don't really know how. So I sent like a gift basket. And, like, But like, I want to help. Right. He's actually decent about asking like, he won't come out and ask, but if I offer, like, he'll say something. Yeah. People have a tough time reaching out for help. Right. Well, especially something like that, because yeah, what is he going to ask for? For, exactly. You can't, you don't have the power to, like, to bring, bring her, her back. back. True. And that's probably all he would wish for. Yeah. Hmm. But I guess it's just the idea that everybody wants to help. Oh, yeah. You know, like, everybody wants to help. So, like, if you're showing your vulnerability, you're showing... You know, that you don't have the best life ever. How about you have the average life, you know? like And let that be acceptable. And the seasons, like everybody else has. Like maybe this stage of my life mm-hmm. isn't going so well. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. You know, this is a tough part. Right. I need some help through this. Right. That's, that's tough. Like people don't want to ask for that or just, they don't want to show that. Right. They don't want that to be visible to the public or to people. They want to close it off. They want to put on like yeah, the facade. Yeah, like I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Fine. I mean, geez, I'm fine. The worst words, right? I'm fine. So how do we create curiosity like on purpose instead of judgment? Because I feel like that's the only way that you replace judgment or expectations and purposely lean toward curiosity. I think it's a habit. It's a habit like anything else. I mean, I think our default is to go right to judgments. Yeah. And so almost like judgments, the trigger, right? So yeah. when you feel a sense of judgment, 
again, it, it was very apparent during conversations about politics during this whole election. Mm-hmm. Where I would feel like I would tighten up as soon as somebody had a hard stance about something. Mm-hmm. And then I would try to just be like, get the curiosity mindset, get the curiosity mindset, and just like mm-hmm. ask some questions, you know? Yes. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. Again, the Wayne Dyer thing. You know what? I got to consider that. I never thought of it that way. Let me see if I could look at it from your side. Doesn't mean I'm going to believe you. Doesn't mean I'm going to change my view. But just that openness of just the way to do it is that you're going to have so many triggers of that judgment that it's, you know, it's an everyday, all day practice. And what did your therapist ask you? Like, why do you feel that way? Or what's that feel like? Or yeah, can you sit with that? Or like, you know, a lot of it for me, it's like, you know, it's about anxiety and just like Mm -hmm. worries about the future, worries about making the right decisions. Mm -hmm. They'll say like, how does that feel? Mm -hmm. Like, well, it freaking sucks. Like it it doesn't feel good. Like I feel like, yeah, yeah, it hurts. I feel like I can't breathe. Like, you know, I feel like claustrophobic. He's like, okay. He's like, well, let's just get curious about like, where's that feeling coming from? Can you sit with it? Mm-hmm. How does it feel? Is it going to hurt you? Can you sit through it? Will it pass? You just start like really being curious about everything about the feeling. Mm-hmm. So if you're angry, why are you angry? Let's be curious. Like, what is anger? Like, where's that anger coming from? Mm-hmm. Rather than just being angry, because most of us just have a feeling and we're just that feeling. Mm-hmm. And the other question is, are you that feeling or is this just a fleeting emotion? Yeah. Like, are you angry right now or are you just, are you an angry person? Yes. And to be angry about something, like you need to conjure up the thoughts that produce that anger over and over and over again. You can't just be angry right. without continually conjuring up the same thoughts. So you start being curious about, oh, I'm telling myself the story that somebody wronged me. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it over and I'm making myself angry over and over. Mm-hmm. So I think the curiosity starts to come into like, what are you doing? Like, what's really happening? Yeah. You know, like, what's your mind doing? What, how is your mind spinning this? Yeah, trace those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And watch the patterns. Don't just be like a reactive person. You're just all over the place. You're sad. You're happy. You're you're down. You're this. You're that. You're all these things with no awareness. Because you're reacting to feedback or whatever is going on, you're reacting constantly to everything. Yeah. You're just a victim of circumstance. You're a reactive person to everything that's happening to you. So basically you have no control over your life. You're just bouncing around. Right. So I think that curiosity brings a little bit more control because you could kind of step back from it and be like, let me look at this. Let me try to look at a little bit more objectively. Hmm. Let me sit with it for a little while. Again, as we started this podcast, I fume it's not that I fume, I just know what he says is coming and I know it's a curiosity thing <laughs> because I know it's just me, me, everything I'm spewing out to him is all my reactive victim mentality. Like I'm pissed, I'm this, that so-and-so and I, you know, I'm scared about the future. I'm scared about the, okay, it's okay to be scared. Like, so you, let's be curious about that fear. Like, so where does that fear come from and how can we sit with it? And similar, like the things that he's saying, and I'm like, I know, I know, but I re- I just wish it was easier. I guess we all do. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so valuable that you have that third party that can ask you those questions. Even if you're saying the same thing week after week. Yeah. Clearly you need to hear it. You do, obviously. Yeah. I think it's also the idea that that's the human 
nature of things of like wanting the answers now. Yes. And I want the answer, the end all be all. And I want to eat one salad and be in shape for the rest of my life. And I want to have one therapy session and be mentally well for the rest of my life. Right. right. I want to be angry once and then never be angry again. And you don't want to have to go through these things ongoing. Yeah. But you have to. So I think it's interesting that you mentioned that it's almost like a feeling of more control when you lean back and and check the curiosity about the situation mm-hmm. versus because we think that if we got those answers, if we ate that one salad, if we did that one <laughs> thing, each yeah. that, that would be control. Mm. Except like you just said, if you lean back and you're curious about the situation, it's it's almost a feeling of that you're in more control because you're evaluating it and you're not being reactive. So that's a very different. So let's put it like in the anger context. Uh-huh. When you say you're in control, if you want the answer, uh-huh. yeah, the answer, the reason why I'm angry is that person's a jerk and they acted <laughs> like a jerk to me. Ultimately, right. that's the answer, right? Right. Because you're not curious. You've now found your answer. Mm-hmm. Now you have a reason. Yeah. So then it's like that the immediate solution would be for that person to say they're sorry or to have not been a jerk to you. But like that's not going to happen because right. they were already a jerk to you. So you're being reactive. But then the only way to regain control is to be curious about it. Right. Where is he coming from? Like what happened to him during the day? Like why... Would he do that? Is, was it directed toward me or would it, would it have been directed toward anyone? Yeah. You know, it has nothing to do with me probably most of the time. Yeah. So it's, it's like the idea of like religion and science, right? So religion says they know something. Science basically says we don't know it and we're going to try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then until somebody else proves us wrong, we're never going to really believe that we're 100% accurate. That's why everything is pretty much theory. Right. Science has a basis of proving other people wrong. Or just proving your thesis wrong. So like you believe something and then you're like... Let me test it. Yeah, and have six of your peers look at it from different angles and like stress test it. Where religion says, nope, this is the truth and that's what it is. And I don't care what science says or what anybody else says. And I don't care about other people's beliefs. And it's just this rigidity and then like flexibility on the other side. And that gets into like a whole nother topic, the psychological flexibility. (laughs) Psychological flexibility is like what we're really talking about, having flexibility psychologically, where you can sort of like have all these emotions, feelings, thoughts, and have that step back and just be able to navigate them a lot better in your life than just being reactive. They call it flexibility. That sounds like a great topic for next. Next topic. Yeah. flexibility as opposed to rigidity. I like it. Yeah, let's dive into that next week. We can talk about that next week. All right. So, well, thanks for joining us here at The Unlearning Project. And please follow us and subscribe. On Facebook, we're at Unlearning Project. And then on Instagram, it's Unlearning underscore Project. Look at that. Yeah. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks. We'll see you next week. See you next week.